Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me because of his legal obligations as part of this fan-requested episode is none other than the one and only Andrew Claus. Andrew, welcome back. I should have read the fine print. And you should have watched your step on that roof, but that's a story for another day. It's a slippery slope indeed. Yeah, how are you doing today in that horrifying note? I'm good. I would have been better off if I hadn't watched as many Santa Claus movies as I have, but it's been enjoyable going through all these Christmas movies to discuss with the listeners. Yeah, I honestly wish I could say that the market for Santa Claus films isn't oversaturated, but yeah, no, that would be a lie. I would be lying to you, dear listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Because funny enough, I was actually discussing this with you beforehand, but I've just seen the new Wonka film, and at the cinema I was at, they are actually showing the, I think it's called The Santa Claus Movie, and it's a relatively old one, I don't know if it's from the 80s or 90s, and if it's from the 70s I greatly apologise, but I'm sure it's from the 80s or 90s, and they were advertising it, and they were saying, recapture the magic, as it were. That surprised surprisingly brings me on to today's film. I always got that film, which is completely different. That film is a origin story about Santa and his wife getting lost in the North Pole, and then they end up taking the mantle of Santa Claus, whereas the film we're going to be talking about today is one that has a rather contemporary take on the story, and I'm going to be honest, it's a very damn dark twist on it. We are going to be talking about the Santa Claus which came out in 1994 and stars Tim Allen. So before we go on and discuss this very interesting film, this time capsule of a film, did you ever watch this one growing up? I don't have particularly strong memories of this first film growing up but I did watch the second and third one a couple of times growing up because I have that distinct memory particularly from the third one which had Jack Frost in it and I know that like it was played by Martin Short and for some reason that just stayed with me much more than it should have but yeah no the first one it was very much not a classic in my household I didn't watch it very much I saw it again a few years ago and was just like oh this film's a bit crap but yeah no it's never been particularly important in my Christmas rotation list you know a lot of people holding milk and cookies right now have probably smashed them on the ground with you saying it was a pretty crap film I mean every person has their own opinions on these I don't have the nostalgia for them and kind of watching them now I was just kind of a bit confused by a lot of what was happening and some things were funny like I did enjoy certain aspects of the film and we've been watching so many terrible Christmas movies recently that by comparison this is a decent Christmas film however it just doesn't hit the mark for me like so many other Christmas classics did you grow up with these movies? Well the thing that actually made me feel old was the fact that I would have been about two years old when this film came out. So when I was growing up, I remember obviously the classics like A Muppet's Christmas Carol, The Grinch, Jingle All The Way. Those were the kind of films that I watched. And of course, there's a whole load of other Christmas films that we've also reviewed at chatsanami.com. Just putting this like advert in there. But for this one, this is a weird example for me because I was a was told not to watch this film not because oh you shouldn't watch this film it's offensive or anything but more because people kept telling me it's not very good 
And I don't know, I kind of internalised that and just never really bothered with it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't think, oh, it's terrible, it is going to be awful. But at the same time, after watching it for the first time this year, I can certainly see why people would like it as a child growing up with it. And I can see why it's a personal favourite for a lot of people. But for me, slight spoilers going into it, I don't think from an outsider's perspective it holds up as well. And the funny thing is, the only thing I know about this film was the way they advertised it. And they literally just show you Santa getting absolutely wrecked on the roof. So for anyone who doesn't know, the five of you out there who probably doesn't know, the whole premise is Santa falls off of Tim Allen's roof. (laughs) Yeah, he Ben Kenobi's himself, where his body disappears, but his clothes still stay. And then Tim Allen takes over as Santa Claus. There's just so many really creepy implications, but that's the way they advertised it, that Tim Allen inadvertently killed Santa Claus, and then he took up the responsibility of Father Christmas. Funny you should mention the third one, because, again, it was one of these films that always came up at Christmas, but I never really watched it. But I vividly remember the third one being advertised a lot. Yeah, it was always on TV. Like, it was the one that was syndicated the most, I think. Maybe it was just, like, the cheapest one to show. Like, they had the fewest residuals there to pay for it, which I think is often the case with these sequels. But, like, I was pretty familiar with what happens in the third one. I couldn't tell you now, it's completely gone from my mind, but I did watch it relatively often around Christmas time when I was younger, because it would just be on TV. Yeah, because the thing that I found really weird as well was the time between the sequels, because the first one came out in 1994, and then I watched a little bit of the second one today to get a feel of where the films actually went, and I'm going to be honest, I apologise in advance, I didn't not enjoy it from what I saw. It was a little too whimsical for me and that's coming from someone who likes Lord of the Rings but yeah the second one came out in 2002 and then the third one came out in I think 2006. Yeah. So it's like eight years between the first and second one and then four years between the second and third one but then in 20, I want to say this year actually. 20 this year. Yeah 20 this year. (laughs) See the 2020s you might as well say 20 this year because they all blend into one. 20 this year. Yeah, they ended up making a TV show I think on Disney Plus. Yeah, which I think is still running at the time of recording. I think they're releasing episodes weekly. I've not watched any of them. Maybe I'll check them out after this just to punish myself further. I'm not gonna lie between the posters and what I saw, the descriptions for the episodes where it's like, evil centers coming to the North Pole. Unless there's like a North Pole D-Day sequence that I'm missing out on here. Isn't like Larry the Cable Guy? Oh, like, probably. It? And then I think like Fluffy or something for the uh, Latino American comedian. Oh, um, Gabriel Iglesias. Iglesias, yeah, because I did see him on the poster as well. You're completely right there. There's a lot of famous faces, but unfortunately, I know, I know, I can hear the audience go off in the background. But yeah, today we are going to be homing in on the Santa Claus, the 1994 one, and we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the downright horrific of this film. So, without any further ado, for our final festive episode. Are you ready? I 
am. I'm strapped to my roof tightly so I don't fall off and I'm, I'm ready to go. And with that, we'll be right back after these festive messages. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hey everyone, I'm Laura. And I'm Jill. And we are the hosts of Crime Divers Podcast. We are Scottish sisters who tell each other true crime cases that other hasn't heard of. New episodes are released every Tuesday and you can find us on your favourite podcast platform. So what are you waiting for? Grab your wetsuit and join us as we dive into the world of true crime. But remember, watch watch out for those sharks! So let's kick off talking about the Santa Claus and oh boy, I have a lot to say about this film. I feel as if this is just free therapy for me because I finished watching this today. I don't like a lot of these characters. be honest. I think of all the characters in this film, Tim Allen, of all people, he comes off as the best character, I would say, or at least the least egregious. Now, would you agree? No, I wouldn't, because I think that for every moment you think that like, oh, he's maturing, he's doing well here, he'll then immediately do something that was like three steps back on that, and you're like, oh, you've just been completely immature and irresponsible here. He at one point kidnaps his son after losing custody rights, which is like, he probably shouldn't have lost custody rights though you can understand maybe why that's happened but like you do honor it until you prove yourself worthy of getting that you don't kidnap your son and so like this woman is terrified that what's happened to her son because he's hanging out in the north pole she doesn't know that she thinks they're probably like mexico just hiding away from the law like it's absolutely crazy every character the one i would probably say is most rational would be well other than bernard the elf would be the mother she did choose majority of rational decisions she does have a very strange reason for like hating Christmas I think if I'm remembering her character well oh wait am I thinking of someone else you see is this going back to what we were talking about last week with I believe in Santa when it was like oh I didn't get the presents I wanted at Christmas and therefore I don't believe in Santa I'm a misery guts I think I discussed that in last week's episode as well but like it feels so inappropriate to be like you don't believe in Santa and it's like well I've been buying the presents this whole time where do you think the presents have come from oh my god see and that note, can I just dive into the worst character of this film? Is it Johnson, the guy at the very start who's got his secretary in his lap while he's dressed as Santa Claus? He is horrific as well. The film starts with them just joking about infidelity. I actually made a list and I was indeed checking it twice. Very good. Thank you very much. There was a lot of themes that I wasn't expecting in this film. I didn't even realise I had to coin the phrase Santa side in this. But we have Santa side, we have child and 
endangerment, we have kidnapping, we have infidelity, we have fat shaming. I don't know if gaslighting appears, because there's a really weird scene where the stepfather character, and believe me, I will get onto him, but the stepfather figure is talking to the main child, Charlie, who is Tim Allen's son in this one, and he's like really confrontational. And I know he's supposed to be a psychologist, but he's like, you don't believe in Santa, do you? I honestly thought for one minute I'd put on a war drama where someone was getting interrogated as like, give me the plans for this. I was like, oops, no, no, no. It's just the Santa Claus where it's like, oh, well, how do the reindeer fly, smart Alec? How does he get around without a chimney and everything? Jesus, dude, the kid's like, what, eight years old, seven years old? What's your deal? He is so strangely confrontational. He's like, why are we still letting this kid believe in these delusions? He's five years old. I think he's learned enough by now to know that Santa isn't real and all his hopes and dreams are going to die. I bet you he likes Freud as well, the hack. Surprisingly enough, we don't get enough psychology jokes in this channel, so... There you go. Backtracking a wee bit because the stereotypical step-parent archetype in 90s films was usually a character that wasn't really well-liked. You know, they were supposed to be over-the-top, they were supposed to be like quite confrontational, and I was saying this to you off-air, but the only exception I saw at the time was probably Mrs. Doubtfire, where Pierce Brosnan's character is actually shown as being quite competent and quite compassionate as a partner, whereas, yeah, this one, Neil, the psychologist, he is just really horrible. And don't get me wrong, I get why he's concerned, but he goes about things in the wrong way, doesn't he? Yeah, he is very strange in how he's always trying to, like, one-up Scott, and I think he has a lot to prove. I think he himself requires a fair bit of therapy to get over himself. It's very strange how he deals with the situation of being a stepfather. And, like, this isn't a big issue, but it bothered me that in the first film, his name is spelled N-E-A-L and in the second film it's spelled N-E-I-L so they just changed it from one film to the other and like it shouldn't have bothered me as much as it did but I was like they thought I wouldn't notice we all read the subtitles <laughs> they weren't anticipating I'd be doing a Santa Claus movie marathon yeah I don't get that I don't know if there's like a lower appropriate reason <laughs> I don't know Father Time swooped in and yeah I don't know Wolfie's magic whatever I just did not like his character every time he came on screen it wasn't even entertaining that's the thing. He wasn't like smug, but you kind of thought, oh, he's quite funny with the way he did it. Every time he came on screen, I just rolled my eyes and thought, oh, great, here we go again. And the thing I didn't like as well, and I don't know if you noticed this or picked up on it, was the fact that whenever he said something, you know, that he believed in, he always tried to impart his beliefs onto Laura. I thought that was a bit disturbing because there was a lot of it where he'd be like, oh, he's too old for this. And then she would turn around and be like, oh, yes, I agree. We think that. A very particular choice of pronouns. It was like, we think that. Do you, Laura? Do you really? Do you think a five-year-old or seven-year-old or whatever, do you think he's too old to be believing in Santa Claus? And I have to admit, I can believe it. I was like, my God, I'm siding with Tim Allen here. Buzz Lightyear himself. I'm siding with him when he's like, well, he has to use his imagination. But yeah, what did you think of that? I didn't really know that he'd sucked, essentially, when I was making my notes from it. I didn't know too much else about him, but he just was always really inappropriate in the scenes he was in I found he just tried to control Laura tried to control Charlie and was the one that essentially pushed for full custody and restraining order all that kind of stuff Laura herself didn't seem too sure on doing a lot of those things and it was very much Neil that pushed her to do that so he was probably the 
worst person in the, in the movie. Which is strange. You often find that those characters you are more sympathetic towards. You're like, no, I understand where they're coming from because actually this whole situation is crazy and you can understand why they're doing that. And to an extent you can, but I think he is just being overly an asshole because he doesn't like Scott. And like Scott himself is an asshole. There's definitely like a history there that they probably have fought for years and this is kind of what's happened. You wonder what the relationship between Laura and Neil, how it started, whether or not he was her therapist initially, which would be a really kind of dodgy situation. Of course, we don't know that and we can't necessarily imply that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they want to imply. <laughs> I'm not saying that happened, but it happened. <laughs> My headcanon. <laughs> my fanfiction. Yeah, you can check out the rest of our Santa Claus fanfiction at chatsandnavi.com forward slash this is a joke. But yeah, he was just the absolute worst. And one of the things I have to admit I was laughing at, before we talk about the very infamous scene of how Tim Allen slash Scott became Santa Claus, there was a particular scene where because he puts on the outfit and everything, he starts turning into the traditional Santa by getting fatter and he gets you know the full white beard and the white hair and don't worry I will come on to that as well because I thought that was a little bit off but at the same time it was the 90s but there was a scene where you know the wee boy without any filter kept running around saying my daddy Santa Claus and everyone thinks this kid is crazy for obvious reasons but then the wife turned around and I could not stop laughing at this she's like oh my god Scott you went to Oh, that's trouble to change yourself into Santa Claus so the son would love you more. And I was like, we don't have a frame of reference for like the amount of time that's passed. Was he normal one day and then all of a sudden he's just suddenly bloated up and he's just completely fat and he's got the big beard and everything? Because there's obviously that scene in the conference room where, haha, he's fat so he eats all of the desserts and things. That's what I was getting at with the fat shape because I was kind of like, well, should they not be more concerned that this guy was like really thin yesterday and then all of a sudden he's ballooned up? Like this isn't a wee bit of gradual weight. This is... That is my note as well. Bringing up someone's weight is not professional, but you would be concerned for someone if they gained that much weight in that short a period of time. Because like, even just eating like a ridiculous amount, you don't bloat that quickly. It's not a cartoon. It's insane that he's all of a sudden gone grey, grown huge amounts of facial hair, gained that much weight like he said to the doctor at one point that he gained 40 pounds in the space of like two days that was the worst doctor in america by the way the fact he was like oh it's just the milk and cookies you've been eating and i was like what was in those milk and cookies was that protein powder or something was it just pure protein powder or something he was snorting up his nose merry christmas kids <laughs> that mental image it's gonna be a blizzard <laughs> He's finding out who's naughty or small. I know it's a fantasy film about Santa Claus, but there is no conceivable way that a normal human being could bloat to that size and you know as you said go grey without some kind of medical abnormality and the reason I bring that up is because people will wave that off and say oh yeah it's a fantasy film suspension of disbelief but they treat this very straight and serious you know they don't say oh maybe it is something magical or they never entertain the idea it gets so bad that as you said Neil goes to the court for a separation order and then 
then of course you get the kid who just has no filter at all and that made me just face palm every single time where the wee boy kept saying I told the judge about the North Pole and I'm like read the room kid read the room I want my five bucks back I want my five bucks back yeah that was also a disturbing scene where it essentially implied that he was okay with bribing his son to lie to his mother I was like oh that's great and I know why he did it obviously because he would have thought he was crazy and they would have lost custody but as you say kid read the room yeah I do want to quickly discuss the son Charlie again where on Christmas Eve Charlie's dropped off at Scott's house and you hear Charlie say do I have to stay within earshot of Scott if I was separated from my partner and we had a kid together and they said that that would be the most heartbreaking thing I think I could ever hear like that is horrendous I mean it's obviously sort of trying to lay the foundations and explain their relationship together and how not a good father Scott has been but that is such a horrible thing to like hear like I instantly felt bad for Scott there I think the main problem with this film and again they're obviously wanting to focus more on the Santa Claus aspect than the politics of a divorced couple but there seems to be a lot of missing context in this film because we are told that Scott is a very absent father and you know you can kind of see very much similarities to a film like Jingle All The Way where he's constantly at the office and everything but even when he gets him to visit and he cooks the turkey for him at least he's trying to make an effort with him we keep getting told that Scott is like this terrible father and don't get me wrong he could be better in a lot of regards like for example when he takes his son to Denny's which I have to admit I did laugh at when it's all the other parents there or all the other single dads there yeah so I initially noted like oh Santa Claus sponsored by Denny's and then I immediately went I take it back this Denny's does not come out looking good from this movie yeah it's all the single dads all the single dads and they ask for food and every time like the witch is like we're out I did laugh at that when Charlie was like I'll have a chocolate milk and she's like we're out of chocolate milk and she's just like I'll just have a regular milk please and it was like the saddest line delivery I've seen from a child or kid then like the witch is walking away and Scott's like oh at least we'll get their famous apple pie or something and the waitress like walking away and goes don't bet on it what fucking Denny's is this I've never been to a Denny's so I can't say what they're like generally but like I do not have a good impression of Denny's having watched this now do you know funny enough Denny's for anybody outside the UK listening Denny's is not a popular chain in the UK there's a Denny's in the UK well there was one in Scotland and I remember it shut down very very quickly because I was reading the reviews and there was things like the staff wouldn't even come over and they were just very abrasive to them the menu and the food wasn't good and it lasted six months maybe maybe a year if I'm being generous there are a lot of American chains that have come over like Taco Bell and things like that but that's at a push there's like a very small smattering of these restaurants there is one remaining in the uk it's in swansea welsh listeners you head down to that denny's or if you've already been tell us how it is yeah please reach out to us genuinely if you've been to a denny's in the uk or outside of america please let me know because even when i visited america i actually didn't visit denny's i visited ihop that was an experience i like how we we hold up denny's like a tourist destination going to see the empire state building or going to see like the washington monument or something like that it's like you know those crazy 
crazy travel vloggers who go to like these dangerous countries and things and they document their experiences. No, 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 forget that. Denny's is where it's at. If you want a bad experience and you want to document your like life in hell, go to Denny's apparently. Denny's will sponsor us. <laughs> Well, when I went to America uh, a couple months ago, and I've not really been to America often, so it was only my, my third time, I was like, all right, I'm going to try and hit up all these places I've heard of. Just like, I want to know what the fuss is about when not like all these things were mentioned in pop cultures. I went to Olive Garden. I went to In-N-Out Burger. I went to Jersey Mike Subs. And I'm trying to think if there's any other random chain restaurants I went to. Did you go to Shake but, like, I tried, Shack? I did not go to Shake Shack. I did not see any Shake Shacks while I was there. They are pretty good. I have to admit, Shake Shack is pretty good. This episode's Sponsored by Shake Shack. <laughs> For all your shaking and shacking needs, I don't know. I've only been once, don't sue me. <laughs> I did have the tourist culinary experience of all these crappy American chains. Well, I say crappy, you know, some of the burgers and food was all right. But there is an interest in going to these chains that you've heard of in pop culture. We've gone very far away from our main topic. Yeah, I was going to say, we went down a culinary rabbit hole here. Jesus. You know what? We're far too happy here. Let's talk about the death of Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, from Denny's to Santa side. Oh my God. God, that scene, I've seen it in a lot of trailers. I've seen the Santa falling off the roof, the dead body in the snow, and you know, it's the image that for some reason they always advertise when it comes to this. And if not, it's the weird fat suit Tim Allen where they just photoshop his head on top of the body. Really, really weird. I don't get that. But yeah, so the premise of that is the wee boy hears a clattering on the roof. He tells his dad to go out and check it. Dad runs out, spooks Santa. Santa slips and I'm assuming cracks his head open. And then I honestly, I kid you not, he does a Ben Kenobi where his body disappears, but his clothes stay there. (laughs) If you strike me down, I'll become more festal next year. But before he does that, he does this little like wave with his glove. Oh yeah! It was so creepy. I was like, ah, why have you done that? Just leave him dead. It's like the Terminator at the end of Terminator 2, the thumbs up. So essentially he looted a dead man and then the dead man disappeared and what I hated about it as well is again the kid has no survival instinct he's just like wow is that Santa and he's running out this could be like a murderer or a burglar for all we know but no he's just like I want to see the dead body it's like Charlie you're sick you're on the naughty list for a reason what the hell man I don't even know why Scott has allowed him to stay out there I've been like Charlie don't come out Charlie's like stay inside. To be fair he does tell him but Charlie just doesn't listen because as I said he's got no survival instinct. Santa could have had a shotgun but no he's just like no let's run outside and yeah they see the Santa suit and he keeps saying really weird things like put the suit on dad, climb into this dead man slowly. <laughs> this film is dark. Yeah he's very much like a alright let's, let's go with this kind of kid. There's no thinking like oh my god the situation's happened what do we do? It's like oh well I'll just put his clothes on. This is mine now. <laughs> that's, that's that's what you do. You just take someone's clothes and then just you wear it now. That's what happens. Kids, this is what happens when you play too many video games, okay? See once in a while, go out, touch grass, <laughs> go 
<laughs> For the love of God, do not steal a dead Santa sleigh. Can't believe that has to be a warning in this episode, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have so many questions, though, about this Santa dying situation. Well, other than the fact that by North Pole law, there's a reasonable clause that involves trial by combat. What's the trial by combat thing? I don't remember that. No, I just mean essentially that a Santa can challenge another Santa to the death. Oh, I see. That's the thing, though. Like, how often does this happen? You kind of think like, oh, well, that guy was old, so he's been Santa for a while. It's like, well, no, not necessarily, because Tim Allen becomes old when he becomes Santa. So, like, maybe this Santa's only been on the job for a year and immediately slips off the roof because he was really rubbish. I don't know if it's the first one or the second one, but they comment in it about how, like, Tim Allen's Santa has been the best Santa they've had in such a long time. Finally got a good Santa or something like that. Wow, like, that was such a rude thing to say about the guy who died, like, eight years prior from the job. Yeah, no, they do say that. They say, oh, happiness has gone up by 86%. And I was just like, I want to see your elf accountants because there is no way child happiness has gone up by 86%. How are they going to keep those numbers up? That's what I want to know. Yeah, there's an expectation of a 25% increase every quarter or every year. This is not sustainable. I don't know how he can increase child happiness by that degree. Yeah, like, is next year it's going to be like, oh, it was down 12%, which, don't get me wrong, sounds terrible if you take it out of context, but at the end of the day, that's all the, I don't know, big elf corporation care about, I guess. Yeah, that that was a really weird line out of that film. But yeah, how often is this happening? What is the average kind of lifespan of these guys? It does not seem like a particularly safe occupation, given how easy it is for them to be, like, knocked off the roof and caught by the police and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, that was depressing. The fact that we had a scene where Santa Claus gets arrested, very akin to Miracle on 34th Street, only the difference is, at least then, that kind of served a point. I mean, in Miracle on 34th Street, like, obviously that was Santa that they were arresting, but he didn't go around flaunting his magical powers or anything. Whereas, in this one, it's clear he does have the ability to change people's roofs to have chimneys and things. He does have the ability to shapeshift, essentially. Then he gets caught by the police in, like, the most GTA thing ever, where it's just, like, busted, and he gets carted away by them. I was saying this to my partner. Imagine how traumatising it would be as a child to see Santa, like, shoved into the back of a police car and driven away. We're like, oh, that's my childhood over. See, if that was done nowadays, it would spark so many podcasts, wouldn't it? <laughs> Santa's innocent. Let me tell you why. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, because, like, my note from the end of the movie, or rather my second to last note from the end of the movie, was that this family will be on every talk show. Every talk show is going to want to know about this family that had a kid kidnapped and the dad turned out to be Santa, because, like, this entire street saw Santa awkwardly ride along on his sleigh three times onto the screen for some reason. Like, he just didn't leave the screen for a while. Pretty sure he, like, circled around like, a bunch of times. I think he just stole these reindeer, to be honest. <laughs> Come on, Rudolph. <laughs> if we light on that clutch, if we really light on that clutch. <laughs> I knew I should have got an automatic. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There's no deniability. <laughs> That's essentially what we're getting at here. There's no deniability unless the whole street signed like a... NDA. Yeah, like a Christmas NDA with... I don't even know whose jurisdiction that would fall under. Would that be a government thing? Would that be the CIA, the FBI? It would definitely be federal in some capacity. Some state troopers like, we're keeping this real tight. We're not letting anyone know about this. Can you imagine having to draft up that NDA being like, I could have been a baker. Uh, I could have had like a shop and a bakery in Cincinnati or something, but no, no, I'm here. 
writing an NDA for Santa Claus. Or sorry, Tim Allen as Santa Claus. Yeah, this film's weird. That's essentially my summary of this film. This film, I do agree, it has to have a huge degree of suspending your disbelief. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a fantasy film, it's a Santa film. And I genuinely do think that if you grew up with this film, if you watched this as a kid, then I can understand why you enjoy it. And that is perfectly fine. But see, watching this as an adult with no exposure to it beforehand, it is a sobering experience and it genuinely makes me feel old, personally, because I'm sitting there going, oh my god, that's child endangerment. Oh my god, you know, because as a kid, I would probably be on the side of, like, Santa and, you know, the wee boy and be like, yeah, they want to go to the North Pole. Why is the mum not letting them know? The mum's like a, you know, stick in the mud and everything, but... Have you seen that haircut? She sucks. Well, you're not wrong. It was the 90s. It was a different time, okay? As I said, for the negatives, I don't want to end in the negative, but I did not like Neil. I thought the mum was getting gaslit by Neil and she needs to chuck him. I'm not saying she should run back to Tim Allen, but I genuinely think she could do better. There was a lot of realism, I think, is my main issue with it. There was a lot of realism applied to a film that should have been more fantastical. You know, it was like, oh, look, it's some guy metamorphosing into Santa Claus. Although they took everything else seriously, like the court order and not allowing him to be near his own child and things. Yeah, they didn't really take him very seriously, With uh, as we discussed before with his health issues and things, taking the role of Santa. Can I just say, I know this is like a business practice that's probably been implored before, but I think it's a dick move to make your fine print that small on a business card. I do agree that that seemed a bit sus, and I feel like there could be some definite legal questions about if it's not visible unless you look through that many microscopes to see it, how legally binding could this possibly be? Right, I've got a question for you though, because the whole premise, of course, is the Santa Claus spelled C-L-A-U-S-E. That implies there's like a really good legal team of elves sitting at the North Pole. But two issues here, two issues with that. One, does the North Pole count as its own sovereign state? Answer, probably not, no. Based on what we know from Christmas Wrapped Up or what the fuck it was called, it is in fact in Alaska and so it would fall under American jurisdiction. Ah, uh, of course. No, that is true. But then again, they only have one reindeer. <laughs> Which, if you want to hear that episode from last week, then definitely go check it out. But going back to my point though, number two is the fact that they want to be very secretive. So I know obviously they caught them by magic, but the fact of the matter is legally they can't really press him into this role because it's like they would have to expose themselves, which technically they do at the very end of the film. When they bust him out of prison. Yeah, and then he dances to ZZ Top. That genuinely, I did not realise that was a real scene. I thought people were memeing on me and they were saying, oh, there's a funny scene where, and when I say dances to ZZ Top, I'm using that phrase very loosely. He kind of like shuffles and puts his arm out. That's all he could move in that fat suit. You know what? That is a fair point. (laughs) I will do the Mr. Robot. That is all I can do right now. That wasn't the Mr. Robot. That was more like the your dinner is ready, sir. (laughs) 
kind of move. You know that way when you see butlers and things in films and they hold up their arm and they've got the cloth draped over them? You know, that's what it was like. You kept doing that and it's like, stop doing that, Dad. My grinchiness aside though, what are your final thoughts on this film? There were a few bits that I enjoyed that we've not mentioned. When he had that medical, there was a part where they checked his heartbeat and his heartbeat made jingle bells, which I thought was quite cute and quite funny. I enjoyed his interactions with a lot of the elves. I thought that that was pretty fun. Judy was very cute, the elf that helped him out a bunch. And then Bernard was a pretty fun character. I thought like he was one of the highlights of the movie for me. There were other pretty questionable scenes, like when he's kind of transitioning into Santa and he's sat on a bench in the park and just a bunch of kids just come and sit on his lap. And then he yeah. kind of like facilitates all these children in a park that he doesn't know sitting on his lap. As Santa Claus, that's fine. But without context, for anyone sort of observing that, I'd be calling the cops. Like I would not be happy about this line of children coming to sit on this guy's lap that doesn't outwardly seem that much like a Santa Claus figure himself. So it was very strange. Again, a very different time, perhaps. But yeah, I found that to be a bit weird. Well, I mean, what is creepier? And don't get me wrong, probably that scene. Spoilers. But what's creepier? That scene or when he essentially catcalls a random woman on the streets as Santa Claus? That was very weird. It's like some sort of Spider-Man 3 walking down the street. But he's like, I can get you what you want for Christmas. Yeah, that's the thing that made me uncomfortable. And I have to admit, this is definitely like a 90s thing and I'm ashamed to even say that but it definitely seems like a 90s joke that they probably thought oh no one's going to really think about this as the Santa Claus but he's looking at kids and he's like oh so and so nice so and so naughty that person naughty oh nice blah 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 but then he comes across this woman in like a very short skirt and he's like oh you're nice or something like that or naughty or whatever and I think she kind of rolls her eyes and goes oh in your dreams Chris Kringle or whatever she says back and then the camera kind of just lingers on her as she's walking away and you're just like I could have been doing without Santa catcalling a lady <laughs> to be honest I mean I don't know what's worse in fact you know there, there's several things worse but you know I mean he catcalls a woman he gets arrested is he the worst Santa in history in fact do you want know to even worse like going back to the sequel and I know obviously the sequel was made eight years later but I have severe doubts when they're saying things like oh happiness was up 86%. What the what? This is some Tim Allen propaganda here. Tim Allen's the nice guy that everyone loves. Like, no, Tim Allen's an asshole. Okay, one more thing that was I thought was very cute was where on his first Christmas kind of thing where he first puts on the suit, he goes and delivers presents to the girl and he's a bit snappy, a bit rude. And she says he's not going to drink the milk because he's lactose intolerant. And he returns to that girl's house the next year and she's got soy milk for him because uh, the previous year he said he was lactose intolerant. I thought that was the sweetest thing. I, I loved that. I thought it was really cute. I will agree with you there. That was really cute. There's some horror in this film between the kidnapping and the Santa side. You've got some heart, film. And then literally 10 minutes later, Santa gets arrested. But then at the very end of the movie, they said to Charlie, like, oh, what do you want to do? And he goes like, I want to go into the family business. And I just know the little fucker's going to push his dad off the roof. Is this Game of Thrones? <laughs> I'm going to off him so I can be Santa next. The things we do for Christmas. <laughs> he just shoves him out the window. He's going to be poisoned in those milk and cookies. I have to say that I completely agree with you in the sense that I've also been watching a lot of terrible Christmas films recently. Like, you know, the kind of cheesy, oh, you expect what's going to happen kind of films. But it's so refreshing to see a film that at least is competently made. <laughs> 
you know, the camera works good, the effects for what they are are relatively alright, you know. They're not like the Lord of the Rings effects of the era, but... The reindeer flying scenes were pretty rough. I don't really have much I can necessarily compare it to of the time. I can't remember what other films had done similar, but I was like, oh, these look really bad. The reindeer in general weren't great. We only ever focused on Comet for some reason, and he was kind of annoying, but freaky looking. Did he keep farting, or was that Santa? No, he did fart a bunch. But yeah, he was the only reindeer we seemed to focus on. For some reason, we didn't meet any of the other reindeer. It was only Comet. Until we meet Chet in the next movie. Fuck you, Chet. Poor Chet. Hashtag justice for Chet. Chet needs to be fucking reindeered in. I don't need that in my life right now. That was very upsetting. I did not enjoy that. Okay, I was convinced that the voice actor was the same person who did the Rugrats. Oh, she is in the Rugrats. But she voices the mother? Oh, that's not what I expected. Anyway, Chet makes this laugh, which sounds like one of the Rugrats kids. Oh, it is. She's Phil and Lil. Okay, yeah, so this actress, Kath Suki, plays Chet the reindeer and just laughs the whole time and it's like a baby laughing and it's just exactly like Phil and Lil do in the Rugrats and it's just so unnatural and really just frustrating. Every time Chet was on screen, I just wanted to die. So yeah, Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Yeah, overall, as I said before, I do think that this film does have some entertaining moments, but definitely if you're a kid, it'll probably fly over your head, no pun intended, or it'll fall off the roof in Tim Allen's case, but I don't know if I would honestly recommend this film, and that is going to sound like heresy. I genuinely feel as if this is a film that if you're a child or you've grown up with the film, then you'll enjoy it a lot more, but if you're coming into it as a bitter old Grinch like myself and Andrew, then maybe it's not going to be as endearing, but I don't want to take that away from anybody. If you enjoy the film, definitely more power to you. Enjoy the films you want to enjoy this festive period. But yeah, on that holly jolly note, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on not only the very last festive episode of the year, but also the second fan-requested episode of the season. Yeah, thank you so much for having me thank you for whoever suggested this we look forward to getting more suggestions going forward despite what we've said about our own opinions on this movie we do enjoy having these fan suggestions of checking them out and doing these reviews even the films we don't enjoy we still enjoy the experience of watching and then discussing them so yeah please do continue to comment and suggest more things you'd like us to cover yeah honestly that is one thing i will say just one final point about the santa claus just the fact that at least it was memorable i feel as if if i recommended a film that didn't have as memorable moments in it, you know, like obviously Santa falling off the roof, and I'm not saying <laughs> from now on I want films recommended to us where Santa dies, please no. Yeah, honestly, thank you all so, so much again for voting on the poll for this episode. Honestly, it was much appreciated, and yeah, I hope you've enjoyed another festive month of Christmas films. Honestly, it's hard to believe that this is the penultimate episode of the year, because next week we are are going to be having a more casual conversation. We're going to be talking about our memories about the podcast in 2023. We're going to be talking about the highs, the lows, and by that I mean the Andrew episodes versus the not Andrew episodes. You can choose which one of which... <laughs> I meant the former and the latter. <laughs> you knew I meant. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to check out more of our past episodes, you can check us out at our website, chatsunami.com. 
You can also follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chatsunami. And you can follow us on Twitter or X, however you want to call it, at Chatsunami Pod. I also want to thank our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. But as always, thank you all so, so much for listening to these festive episodes. And as always, we want you to stay safe, stay awesome, stay hydrated, and most importantly, stay jolly. <laughs>